You are now listening to Someone Needs to Hear It. Hi, friends. Welcome back to Someone Needs to Hear It, rewriting our narratives. Before I get into episode two, I just wanted to take a moment to thank everyone. Thank you, thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart to everyone that took a second and checked out the website, left comments on the blog, took a moment to add me on Instagram on Someone Needs to Hear It, and most importantly, all the people that took a moment out of their day to listen to episode zero and episode one of the podcast. It means the fucking world to me. And already I'm blown away. I have, I have people, you know, friends and family telling me stories that I've never heard before. I have people I don't even know from across the freaking planet reaching out and telling me such personal shit, looking for a connection, the connection that I'm seeking in people, the connection that we can make by sharing our stories. So thank you to everyone that has already reinforced why I'm doing this thing. Oof. So many feels. All right. Episode two. Episode two is titled Rewriting Diet Culture. And I feel like (laughs) this is going to ruffle some feathers. And I'm fucking glad because before I met my first guest, I was so blind. I was so blind to subversive societal messaging surrounding diet culture. I used words like cheat meal clean eating. I used to make jokes about, oh, I got to exercise after I eat this donut. Or, um, you know, if we're going out for a big dinner tonight, if we're going to get pizza, if we're going to get pasta, I got to make sure I get my workout in. Maybe I was serious. Maybe I wasn't. Who knows? But I hear so many people say these things on a daily basis, post memes about these kind of jokes. But what my first guest made me realize is, I don't know, you know, it's kind of connected to Freud. Freud talked about how the jokes we make essentially stem from our insecurities. And she really showed me the light regarding the concept of negative diet culture and body image. All right, so with all that being said, um, let me give you some background. So my first guest is Amanda Robb. She's legit my fucking soul sister, one of my best friends. She's a public high school teacher at an alternative school in the Boston area. She graduated from Tufts with a master's degree in molecular biology. And she also graduated from Simmons with a master's in teaching. And that's actually where I met her. But what most people don't know about Amanda is that when I met her at Simmons, she just checked out of an inpatient rehab program for anorexia. And, you know, I'm going to let her tell you her story. Um, I'll ask her the questions that will make her dive deep into that shit. But here's what I want to say about Amanda. She's a fucking role model, and she's a fucking eating disorder warrior. I have watched her come from a place of fear and grow into this amazing fucking hero for women everywhere. I've watched her do so much therapy, self-work, self-care, and she has inspired the shit out of me to do the same. So you know what, Amanda, right now I just want to thank you, girl, because you're one of the reasons that this fucking podcast is happening. So with all that being said, I I do want to point out, um, they're definitely, I just want to just point out trigger warnings. Um, We're going to talk about eating disorders. We're going to talk about anorexia, fat phobia, body dysmorphic disorder. Um, We're going to talk about rehab. We're going to talk about the shit she felt and went through. And some of that can get a little dark. 
but I think it's really important, you know, if, if you can hang with it, you know, you, you got to figure out your own triggers. I'm not here to tell you that, but if you can stay with it, I think you get to see the other side of this concept of like being skinny, being pretty, you, you know, that, that archetype. So again, we're going to cover topics, eating disorders, um, but really we're going to dig deep. We're going to dig deep into the relationship we have with food. Um, in this area, right, the Northeast, in our in our culture, in America, and in society in general. Um, we're definitely going to talk about body image. We're going to talk about fat phobia. And more importantly, we're going to talk about diet marketing. Because marketing, marketing is money. And while there are some great programs and coaches out there, I think something we forget that if someone's marketing something toward you, man, they're preying on an insecurity. And unfortunately, a lot of this diet shit preys on self-hate. Look, I know this is some deep shit, but I encourage you to listen. And if any of this stuff triggers you in a way of like, you know what, Jen? You know what, Amanda? Fuck you. I don't believe in this. I'm just going to stop and ask you to think about where is that coming from? Because a lot of times when I get triggered in that way, I'm doing and I'm saying things out of fear. You know, and that's the stuff that Amanda really opened my eyes to. And that's why I'm having her as my second guest, because I want you to hear this other perspective. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Amanda Robb. Hey guys, I have Amanda with me. Amanda, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, so let's start with how we met. And this is my favorite story. I don't know if it's your favorite story because we have some <laughs> different perspectives. So we're going to talk about the different perspectives. So I was at Simmons finally getting my life together. And Amanda and I were in a class called, it was Issues in Middle and High School. Yeah. Right? Which is, it's just a blanket statement for all of this shit that you don't really know that happens in a high school. So it can be anything from um, bullying to issues with the school committee um, and I think we were talking about suicide. We were talking about something completely different, which was the problem. Right. Um, I feel like, so we had a very old professor who was like old white dude, <laughs> yep. like not very yep. sensitive, not very knowledgeable about mental health, even though the class he taught was about mental health, essentially. I think that's a um, good way to put it. Yeah. Yep. And we were like talking about something completely different, which is why his statements about suicide, which I'll let you continue the yeah. story, caught me so off guard. Yeah, it was very triggering. He didn't have, I'm going to say, I'm not going to say he didn't have empathy. I think he, you know, he had worked as an administrator for a lot of years and an educator, but he didn't have tact. Yeah. <laughs> and so he said something pretty tri pretty triggering, and I just see this little girl get up slowly from her seat and just shuffle her way very quickly across the room and out the door, and it looked like she was crying. And so most people in the class are just trying to ignore this, which I found really ironic because they were all going to be teachers. Right. <laughs> um, and I just remember, I'm not gonna say his name, but the professor looks at yeah. me and I look at him and I'm like, just with the idea, like saying without saying, what should I do? And he's like, well, are you gonna go? <laughs> and I love how no one else is acknowledging what's happening. I'm like, yeah, some girl just left your class crying. So I feel like it was my first real test in teaching of like, hey, how to deal with an upset student, right? So I go in the hallway and Amanda's just sitting on the steps 
just looking and I knew I knew that place and I'll say why in a minute but she just looked like she was gonna melt down like didn't know what to do we've just been joking about my new kitten and it was like that like what do I do what do I do in the world um, and I just remember introducing myself and being like, hey, like, is everything okay? And I think you immediately blurted out, like, I just got out of rehab. And yeah. I was like, I did too. <laughs> and I just remember her looking at me like, oh, like, like-minded. Oh, okay. And I was like, do you want to go for a walk? So that was my perspective of like, this is this person. And I feel empathy because I just had all these problems that no one in the program knows about. Um, and then what was your perspective? Like, what was yeah. that moment like for you? I just think it was really reassuring for someone to be like, me too. Like, I didn't know that people out in the normal world had, like, gone to rehab or had depression or had anxiety or had an eating disorder. Like, mm. at first I thought I was the only person. And then I went to a treatment program for eating disorders and I realized that I wasn't the only person. Mm -hmm. But when I re-entered the world, I thought, like, those fucked up people like yeah. <laughs> those people with problems lived in the eating disorder place that right. I stayed at right. and then no one at my new school would like understand like I still thought I was by myself right. so being able to meet someone and be like hey I have that problem too it made it like way easier and like way less shameful same because the people that I was meeting I'd say more so in the teaching program I wasn't connecting with in that way and I think in the lit program was different especially because Simmons was so I feel like progressive and ahead of its time with like feminine gender, yeah. LGBTQ issues. So I feel like there was a safety net there, but in the teaching program, which again, ironically should be the thing where empathy <laughs> is yeah. um, created and honored and respected. Yeah, it was just like, here's all this shit you need to know. Good luck. Um, but I think this is a good way to start. So like that's like, the, then we'll like Tarantino it, right? Like here's what happened at the end, you know, and then eight years later, we've traveled across the world. Um, so I think if you don't even want to listen to the rest of the podcast, you can recover from fucking anything. Yeah. yeah. I think like, cool, True we'll just end story. it here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what's the day-to-day -day in your life um, of someone with anorexia? Like what, what did your world look like to you? What yeah. were you doing? I think it just like, like for me, like it started as like, I don't like my body. I don't like how my feelings are. So I'm going to try to control it through food. And it was mm -hmm. like, at first, everything was really in my control. And so I felt mm -hmm. good. Like I was losing weight and people would tell me I look good. I was dropping sizes. Um, and then it like started, there was a point at which it started to feel really out of control. And then I felt mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm hungry or I don't feel good, but then I didn't even know how to start eating normally again. Like I didn't know how to get out. Um, and so that like out of control feeling like led me to seeking treatment and like going to a program. Right. Um, so at first it was like a way to control my world, but then it started controlling me. Um, right. And I just felt Addiction. like, yeah, yeah, like I wasn't gonna make it if I didn't do yeah. something different and I really didn't know what to do. Right, when did that start for you? Is it like a teenage thing? Yeah, like I always had trouble with like body image and mm -hmm. dieting and wanting to change my appearance in order to fit in like when I was a teen. Um, and I think like that kind of morphed into problems with substance abuse, like yeah. as I got older and went to college um, and kind of like always like a disordered relationship with exercise. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's like taken different forms for me. But then when I was like in my like mid 20s, I started to like really use eating disorder behaviors again as like a way to control. To control. Yeah, absolutely. So what would a day to day be like for food? Like what are, are, are you, were you allowing yourself to eat stuff? Like what did that look like? Um, yeah, 
I wasn't really <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't really eating very much. I'm not gonna get into like exactly what I was or wasn't eating because I feel like you don't want to promote that. Like yeah, yeah like in the I eating disorder that. community, it can be like a comparison kind of thing. So anyone who's mm-hmm. listening that like wants to get help or feels like they're struggling, I don't want them to compare themselves to Good. me. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and plus, I think like even seeing like how big I was or how much weight I lost, mm-hmm. like not all people with anorexia like look skinny. Um, not all people mm-hmm. with eating disorders look skinny. So it's more about like your mindset around food, which was like very disordered for me. Like when I would eat, I would feel horribly guilty and stressed out and then mm-hmm. I would restrict and there was all kinds of like physical symptoms that came around with that. And would it matter what you ate? You know how like in our culture we have like healthy foods, like a yeah, salad definitely. is healthy. I feel like it started off like, which is what we're gonna talk about later, but yeah. it started off with diet culture with like protein's good, vegetables are good, yeah. other foods are bad. Yeah, like you can't eat a donut, you can't eat a candy bar. Right. Like these things are, or like, and we'll talk about this too, like the cheat meal. Right, yeah. and I yeah. would just be like, I would always be like craving sugar. Like candy is my thing, as you know. <laughs> if you've never seen Amanda, maybe we'll post her. Also, I'll post her Instagram stuff if you want to follow her. Yeah. Because she's super motivational and inspirational. But she has just Candyland carnival tattoos all over her body. <laughs> yeah, so I love candy, but that's like one thing. Like I would be, you know, just starving and like feeling terrible. And I would like wind mm-hmm. up like binging on candy and like just feeling awful about it. But it's what my yeah. body needed. Like and it wanted that cycle. sugar. Yeah. yeah, and I was like deep into that cycle. But it started off as like... Mm-hmm. Um, like healthy eating diet and even like through my recovery I think a lot of those thoughts like persisted and it's really only been in like the past year that I've like I think made a lot of gains and like really been able to break free of like good food bad food healthy unhealthy right like it's just food we're human we need to fuel ourselves right right stepping out of that marketing I think Instagram while social media sucks I feel like that's been super helpful yeah it's definitely yeah. been really helpful for me and we'll like give you some people to follow yeah, we'll and post, like look up we'll post everything at the end of this but you really have to like reprogram your brain and it was hard coming out of treatment like let's talk about that so what, like, I think about, like, with drugs, I know my rock bottoms, right? You have a moment. Yeah. Did you have a moment where you were like, fuck, I I cannot do this. Like, this is out of control. Yeah, like, I really remember one day I was going to the hospital. I went to, like, BI um, as, like, a doctor. I was going to some sort of appointment, but, like, not being able to walk up the stairs. Like, my heart was, like, pounding through mm-hmm. my chest um, and just being like, oh, my God. Meaning, like, first like, of all, like, you're calorie deficient, like, you have no energy. Yeah, like, yeah. I was, like, almost, yeah. like, in, like, tachycardia. Like, my heart was, like, just beating so fast, and I was, like, sweating, and I was mm-hmm. like, oh, my God. Like, these are designed for sick people to go up and down. <laughs> like, this is not a good sign. Yeah. Um, or, like, it towards, like, the end, like, before I went into, like, inpatient, like, looking myself in the mirror and being like, whose body is this? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't even like how I looked at the ends. I was like... I mean, I never really liked how I looked at all, which, like, fueled the war on myself. Right. But, like, at the end, I was like, you don't even look good. Like, you look sick. Right. And I think that's something I definitely want to cover. I think it's easy to look at someone else and say, that body looks good. But maybe you have that body. And just stuff I've dealt with, with, like, modeling, right? With go-go dancing. Like, you have to remain a certain look. And it never ends. Yeah, like you can hate yourself even when someone else is like, oh my God, she has a six pack. She looks gorgeous, right? Right. That, and that's, I think, the mental health component that people. Right. And like don't the body, uh, body dysmorphia, like it's something I still struggle with. Some days I put on the same outfit. I'm like, oh my God, I can't stand how I look. Like I just still have really bad body image days. And it can be like hours earlier. I was like, I look great in this. Like it's yeah. so dependent on my mood, but it feels really real. So mm-hmm. if anyone out there is experiencing that, like, 
feel you. Yeah. It's really tough. And I think that's one reason why I really wanted you to come on here and talk about this is like you're not alone. And I right. think more women suffer from body dysmorphic disorder than they realize. Right, and just the messaging is constantly programming mm -hmm. you to hate yourself so the companies can make money. Yeah. And it's hard if you don't have an eating disorder, but for all the people who have eating disorders and get out of treatment, that marketing is just like I think so about, heavy. Um, and this is something I might write an article on, but ads, ads on Twitter, ads on Instagram, ads on Facebook, um, something that I saw I don't know if it was your fat therapist or a body posy panda. Yeah. These are two Instagram names um, we'll talk about later. We'll post all that stuff for you guys to follow. I, we both encourage you, like, even if you may not think you have a problem with this, just to know, you know, what could be happening with other people. But um, it was something that they posted that was like, essentially how to get the ads off of your phone. So click on an ad, um, report it, and you can report it as like offensive. The other one I think people should do is report it as misleading. Um, and we can talk about like the tummy tees, like all of that stuff. Yeah. But if this is something that does trigger you, you can get in control of it, especially if it doesn't feel like it on social media. Clean out your social media. And like start filling it with like fat positive, body positive mm -hmm. stuff. Like you have to change, like you have to change the messaging. And like for me and for a lot of us who grew up in like a traditional like diet culture kind of way, like mm -hmm. exercise culture, like it's hard, it's everywhere. You have to actively put new stuff in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we talked about, so you have that moment of you're like, wow, like my body isn't even physically working anymore. Like it's, yeah. it's breaking down. And then what, cause this is what I think is brave. Like you were like, I have a problem and I need help. And I think a lot of yeah. people are afraid. So what what gave you the courage to be able to find an inpatient center? What I mean, happened? I'm definitely like really lucky and that I have a lot of supports. Like my husband was just like a huge support mm -hmm. uh, during that time. Like I'm not sure if I would have been able to do it without him, honestly. Like yep. he was like, you can go, I'll still be there. He came and visited me like yep. every day during visiting hours. Like yep. he was never judgmental, never bothered me about how much money we were losing or what I was gonna do with my career. Right. Like he was like there for me. Cause at that time you were at a, in the PhD program, right? At Tufts. Yeah, I had to take medical leave for my PhD. So like I had a bad experience with my first like PI, that's like your boss when you're in a PhD program. Mm -hmm. um, and I had to switch labs and people know if you have to switch projects midway, it's like throwing away all your work Everything and starting again. Done. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a big decision, but I had to leave because they were just really toxic, um, which I think led to a lot of the symptoms mm -hmm. um, that I was having at that time, which in the end, it's good because I needed to like deal with my shit because it right. wasn't, the universe, it wasn't not a problem. About, yeah, we can talk about that. The universe did something for you. Right. Yeah, but, um, but even in my new lab, like I was just, my day to day was just a hot mess. Like I was not in control of my feelings or my mm -hmm. actions. Like at all yeah um I was surviving on like a diet mostly of alcohol and it was just a mess yeah um and that's the other thing too with addiction I think people people think addiction is one thing like I have an addiction to drugs or I have and and I think this is where that narrative needs to be rewritten I'm gonna do an yeah. episode on that too where we got to look at the addiction like like you said you felt out of control there was a mental health issue there and then that was manifesting in an eating disorder right but that right. thing can shift if you don't get to the root it's just of like that different problem. ways problem. of trying to make the feeling stop <laughs> yeah 
Um, but yeah, I feel like Jason was like really, that's my husband, um, was just really, Hi Jason. <laughs> hey Jay, shout out. Um, thanks for helping me stay alive. Um, thank you for keeping her alive so I could be her friend. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, it was really clear that something bad was going to happen to my body and it was like not sustainable. Like I wasn't able to enjoy work or any of my hobbies. Mm-hmm. And he was just like really supportive in getting me there. And I was also really fortunate to have good healthcare. Like I did have, I went to, um, grad school at Tufts. So I had like Tufts medical healthcare Which and is it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> it's like really premium healthcare. So I'm really fortunate in that. That the place that was recommended for me like had a spot open that my insurance would cover it yeah uh and that my husband like my support system was like for you, you know ha- supportive yeah, I, you I had, had a support someone. system yeah yeah and even I think that's the thing people forget too so like you're mentioning your husband like you have this person you don't need the whole world but you, right. you need somebody that's like, I validate what's going on. I'm here for you. Tell me what you need. And I think like in treatment too, like I did reach out to a lot of other people that mm-hmm. I had, like just trying to build a new support network and building mm. new friends and stuff. Like that was really important because like during that time, like I I really just had Jace. Like a lot of the people that hung out with me, hung out with us at the bar and when I wanted to stop, when I had to stop, I literally had to stop drinking. And when I got out of treatment, like, I couldn't go to the bar. I couldn't drink. Like, all my meals were wicked regimented. And I couldn't, yeah. like, everything just had to be planned. I couldn't just go out and get chicken wings and a beer. It wasn't like that. Right. It's not first. like you just come out of treatment and you're like, oh, everything's cool now. Like I, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it, for people, like, going into that, like, I had a very strict meal plan that I had to follow. Like, all of the ease that I experience with food now and the mm-hmm. enjoyment, like, it didn't happen overnight. Everything was, like, regimented and, like, I had to get all my stuff in. So I had to get new friends, too, in this experience. I didn't even think of that. I didn't even write it down. But I feel that so deeply. Um, Yeah. Kind of with – because so for – I think I talked about this on my preface, but for those that don't know, you're just tuning in. um, I went through rehab the first time with drugs, and I knew I was done with drugs. Um, I'm not saying it was just easy and I woke up and I stopped, but I knew that I was done with that thing. But like I said, addiction is the disease. It's not addicted to this thing. Um, You can be addicted to effing anything. It can be video games. It can be online shopping. It can be exercise. It can be codependency, like all of those things. You know, it's something deeper. Um, But these are the two things you said that stick out to me. So the routine, when you come out of treatment, it was the same for me. Like you have to do everything they say to start trusting yourself again because that's really and we'll talk about that with self-help number one is trusting yourself like okay can I eat this thing like is it okay to eat a salad right for me is it okay to go get a glass of wine and it took me 10 fucking years right after coming out of treatment but the second thing is like you said your support and for me I think it was my age yeah you know I was in my early 20s early to mid 20s and everyone wants to go to the bar. Everyone's starting a career. Everyone wants to go wants to go out. And for those listening, I love y'all. Like there's no hate on anyone, but there were a lot of people in my life that didn't understand. And, and they couldn't go to the bar and not get a drink or couldn't understand why I couldn't go there and not drink. And you do, you have to create an entire new world of people and you have people that are mad at you, people that don't understand, people right. that don't know how to support. And I think that's why we're doing this, like teaching people yeah. how to support other people. I learned a lot about people in that time because when <laughs> yeah, I was you like, I was like, oh, I can't drink and I don't want you to drink around me. People yeah. fell off the walls. Like they just like dropped like flies. People get mad. 
yeah people were like not about that and I had people who like still like just would drink would drink in front of me and I was like I'm like in recovery like I can't do this like I can't go to the bar people were like well we're just gonna go to the bar yeah like there was only like a select handful of people that were like no it's cool let's go get a tea or let's hang out at your house or let's play a board game and like those people were really valuable to me and like enabled enabled me to make healthy choices yeah like other people are so and no hate on those people like they're caught in their own cycles of addiction but it was very like I was like wow like you can't put down you can't put down a beer for one day to like hang out with me right and and that's where you know with that other person it's like is there an issue you're suffering with that you're not aware of can't get mad at that not mad at those people right or it's the other side of it where there are people that don't suffer from this thing yeah right or they don't know anyone that suffered this fate. And yeah, I mean, I remember when I got out of my first, so my first round of um, outpatient, just so many things, right? Yeah, first round of outpatient, and they put me on all these pills um, to try to wean me off, right? All the things and regulate all of the, the chemicals I had just screwed up in my brain, in my body. And I was like telling people, I was with people, and I'm like, I, I essentially signed up that, you know, I signed myself up for it. I was like, look, like if I fail a drug test, like take me, put me in somewhere, put me in ball pay, like McLean, like put me, help me, mm-hmm. you know, because you hit that point where you're like, I will fucking do anything you say. And there were people that would still be like, I'm going to go smoke weed. And I'm like, motherfucker, right? And I, <laughs> it took me a lot of years. Like, I'm not mad about it now. But when you're like, uh, and I think that's one of the biggest messages of, watching rhetoric and really hearing people and being empathetic of you don't know if someone's in the pit sometimes especially I know you you know me addicts are really good at hiding the fact Mm -hmm. of how fucking deep in the pit of shit they are yeah a hundred percent I think that's why you and I we're so functional yeah same thing with an eating disorder too like you hide that for so long and like yeah it can be really really sneaky but like you said and this is something I absolutely want to talk about you're getting positive reinforcement. You're getting positive reinforcement every day for having abs or not having, you know what I mean? Right. Or, or being tiny or looking a certain way in clothing. And I, for me, like, that's the biggest message I want to give, right? Mm-hmm. I think about when I had the neurovirus and I was losing so much weight and people were like, you look great, you look great. And, you know, before that I was going through yeah. bouts of anxiety and mental health issues again, you know, over Christmas. And... I don't fault those people because that's the conditioning, but that's why we're doing this thing of like telling someone they look great because they're skinny. Right. It's and what I we're just, conditioned to do. Yeah. I just saw something on Instagram the other day about this, like complimenting it, like complimenting weight loss is inherently fat phobic. Like yeah. when you're complimenting people, they lose weight, but you don't compliment people when they gain weight. Right. Like that's fat phobia. Right. Um, and it's like a big part of diet culture. And I think about you and a couple other my, of my friends because I hit a point where I was so skinny that I was triggering myself to like things in my past yeah. and I had you and a couple other people that when I started getting weight I remember when I saw you I think we went to public house and you were like you look great your legs look great your face looks great because I had gained 10 pounds back yeah. and I looked like a person right right, right. but that's because you and I have been through years of rehab and therapy um, and it just makes me it's gonna I'm gonna segue us into the next thing but it just makes me wonder how to help people see um how they're conditioned right so my next thing is like what are the things that helped you what are the things that hurt you 
right? Yeah, and I think, like, all of, like, diet culture, like, exercise culture is obviously really harmful, and all of the diet culture that is essentially eating disorder behaviors masked as health behaviors um, was really harmful for me and, like, kept me kind of stuck in a place Mm -hmm. in recovery when people are like, these foods are good, these foods are bad. Like, there was a point in which, like... I was definitely over exercising, but people that I was with at the gym, like I've always worked in a gym, like um, right. so I'm like kind of deep into gym and exercise culture. Mm-hmm. But people which, were doing like which doesn't have to be negative, and I think that's the big point I also want to make here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the gym is like definitely like a positive thing in my life. Like I still belong to a gym. Movement, like moving in my body in a way that makes me happy, is what I focus on now. But mm-hmm. a lot of gym culture like isn't like that. So people were doing like the IIFF. Um, like if it fits is, your like macro tracking oh, if it okay, fits okay. your macros um can you explain macro counting yeah so like <laughs> just for people that may not know macro counting your macros is when you measure how many grams of carbs protein and fat you eat every day and there are various like calculators and people you can mm-hmm. pay that will tell you your optimal i'm using air quotes yeah <laughs> amount of macros that you should be eating every day to lean out again the air quotes a lot of air quotes um and just like yeah, generally lose weight and get lean. And so people who are really like hardcore, like macro counters will like weigh their food, um, which is an eating disorder behavior. Um, I did it raising my hand. Yep. Yeah. Um, And just like, yeah, I guess that's what macro tracking is. But it's just like any kind of like food tracking like that. It's really like the opposite of listening to your body and being in tune with your body. And so I did that for a long time too. And like I used to have like my fitness pal on my phone, even after recovery, like tracking my calories and like you know I was eating more normally like I wasn't having like eating disorder behaviors that would put me in the hospital but what I was doing was normal people were like oh yeah and like using my fitness pal with me talking about macros with me like but I even think about I look at you now and I'm like this bitch is so healthy yeah like she like if you knew Amanda then versus now even when I thought you were healthy before yeah I realized because it was the stuff I was doing too right I was doing containers right I was counting macros I weigh my food I have a fucking scale right in my drawer that will never be used again right but I was doing all those things because that's that's what you did right you got to work out in America as a female x amount of days a week right and then like you talk about your network you perpetuate it and now I look at you now and I'm just like like what are we eating today and you're like I ate a donut I'm going to get chicken wings like there's no more talk like that anymore and I'm like yes right. girl I had two donuts today too right like <laughs> right exactly and I think it's just like that kind of like negative diet messaging is just so pervasive that it becomes normal and fat phobia becomes normal um even today I was at the gym um and I was doing like I got to go to some kind of like mini boxing class thing but some of the girls talk about like oh, you know, I had to stay really late at work. Like, it really fell off the wagon. So I'm just going to, you know, really go to a lot of classes next week. And that is just not in my repertoire anymore. Like, life happens and I move when I can, when it feels good. But there's no, like, making up for things anymore. I eat what I want, how it feels good. Um, But I think a lot of just typical messaging that people think isn't disordered eating (laughs) is has become the norm yeah yeah like all that is normal like let's talk about those words um i think of the words like cheat meal i used to use that all the time yeah and then i have that moment like when you wake up from being unconscious about something i'm like oh my god like i hope i didn't trigger anyone like at least i know now yeah um but yeah when you hear things like cheat meal it means you're restricting 
Like, right. <laughs> implicitly, you're restricting something because if this is this is the cheat, then you're not letting your body have that that thing or those things. Right. And I think that that's a lot of what I've been learning about lately, like um, the biology of dieting and like the like the weight cycling that happens with dieting. How you like diet, right? Mm-hmm. And then you lose weight, but your body doesn't want to be at that weight. It doesn't want. It wants to have more fat, more carbs, more whatever. So once you allow yourself like the cheat meal or whatever, then you wind up binging, and then you wind up right. feeling like oh, I'm so out of control around food. I have to go on another diet. And that like cheat meal mentality just makes you feel crazy around food. Right. And it makes everything be centered around food. What's my next cheat meal going to be? What am I going to get? Like it just right. putting more restrictions on food makes your relationship with it like even more unhealthy. Right. And I'm glad that you brought up the biology because I mean, you have a freaking degree in it. You teach biology <laughs> like what t- just speak to it like yeah, the biology like, perspective of you, like what we deem healthy but what you actually know at the cellular level which is what she was doing at Tufts by the way <laughs> right like your body needs fat and carbs like your brain only runs on sugar you have to have sugar in your diet I wonder that comes from fruit it doesn't mean you have to eat candy if you don't like candy I do so I eat candy <laughs> but you get sugar from fruit and bread and beans and because well, um, it breaks down it's glucose yeah right? exactly and so all those diets like the keto diet or paleo or even like whole 30 like things that cut out carbs like you're denying your body something that it needs mm-hmm. um, and so when you do that your body kicks in the starvation mode and it amps up your hunger signals it makes food taste better it makes you think about food all the time addiction right and so it's like it's all consuming so then when you finally get a hold of those Oreos or whatever your food is, you know, you feel like you can't stop eating them. You feel like they taste so good mm-hmm. because they literally do. Your brain has changed how it interprets the taste of it because you haven't been allowing yourself it. Right. And most people, when they lose weight on a diet, they actually weight cycle to a higher set point weight than What's what point? they originally started with. So that's like the weight that your body prefers to be at. Mm-hmm. If you Naturally. Just, yeah, if yeah. you just exercise how you enjoy and just eat whatever you wanted without restriction, your set point weight is like the weight your body se- settles at. And that mm-hmm. changes throughout your life and according to like yeah. how much exercise you're doing or not doing. And I'm assuming it's different for men and women with women dealing with hormonal changes yeah. pre-menopause. Because I know my mom is... Um, hi, mom, if you're listening. Um, but I know, like, for her, because she's going through premenopause, sorry, I'm calling you out, but I'm just watching her shift, shift what she has to do, what she has to eat, because yeah. the body's changing, and I I feel like we don't allow women that. Right. that that's just nature, but it's like, I we almost just said luxury. Like, the luxury yeah. to be able to but change and be be the way your body wants to be. It's so normal for your set point to change over your lifetime. Um, and it does. Your set point increases as you get older. And we like to vilify that and yes. make it feel like women are letting themselves go. Oh, or more horrible you know, rhetoric. Yeah, or like the freshman 15 or whatever in college. But it's oh, normal yeah. that when you get out of your teen years, of course you're going to gain weight. Your body's changing. You're changing mm-hmm. into an adult female body. And it's normal when you go through menopause that your set point increases. Like, right. it shouldn't be a problem, but as a society, we make it seem like women are supposed to be the same size their whole life. Like, I don't know if you have this fantasy of, like, fitting into your high school jeans, but I feel like that's a thing, you know? I remember when we both threw jeans away. I remember that yeah. day. And that was hard. And I think about that, like... It just feels like such a ridiculous first world privilege conversation to sit here and be like, well, Amanda and I really had to talk each other through throwing old clothes away. But I think that's where we need to be ripping open this can of worms of you and I were both so 
mentally ill yeah. and anxious based on not being a certain size because we weren't going to be good enough. And that goes into the whole self-hate thing. Right. Yeah. And I think that where this conversation is going, like so many women can relate to this and like feel guilty and feel bad even if they've never had an eating disorder yeah. or never thought they had disordered eating or an addiction. Like this feeling that you can't change, that you're not allowed to get bigger, that you're not allowed to take up more space. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like the kind of messaging, but it's I mean, back to the biology of it, it's perfectly normal for your set point to increase. But when you diet down and you lose weight, your body goes into starvation mode, it freaks out, and so Mm -hmm. it ratchets your set point weight a little bit higher because it's scared that you're going to not have any food again. Yeah, Yeah, and that you're going to die. (laughs) It's scared you're going to go through a period of starvation. So you're going to gain the weight back even more. It's not that you're out of control. It's that your body is doing what it needs to to keep you alive. (laughs) And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest issues here. We're not honoring our bodies for what they do. They walk us places. They help us sleep. Um, they, They allow us to do really cool things in the world, go on vacations, work a job, have kids, right? Right. We don't honor any of that shit. All our body is doing. 24 fucking seven is like, baby, I'm going to keep you alive. I got you. Right. And then we're just sitting here mentally feeding it really negative messages. Right. And then when we're restricting, um, or even, I mean, I know it can go the other way too. Cause I used to, we talked about this, like, mm-hmm. um, like I know you struggle with more restricting. I was a binge eater yeah. and just it, and I would eat to the point where I just wanted to throw up. And I think that's something else we do need to talk about too, of like, it's just about your relationship with food in general. Like, why are you eating? If you're fucking hungry, eat. Right. And sometimes like emotional eating is okay. Like sometimes you eat the extra cake because it's your mom's like whatever, like best cake and it reminds you of your childhood, you know. I think that there is space for emotional eating. Like I have a bad day at work. I wanna go eat my pizza and I go I wanna go have my glass of wine and then I'm gonna let that shit go, right? I'm gonna go have that moment and it's comforting, right? But I think it's it's when it feels, it's the thing you said, if when it feels out of control. And if you feel out of control, or even if you think you feel out of control, ask for help and, f- and figure that shit out that's right for you. Not what's right for the Instagram model, not what's right for um, the diet coach, right? Not what's right for your fitness instructor, what works for you. But I think just like you said, it's the diet industry, it's big pharma, it's capitalism. That's a lot, it's not allowing us to hear what we need. Right, what and size people, we need to people want to make money off you feeling bad about yourself. Yeah, like, let's that go there. Sucks. <laughs> yeah, all these companies, the Beachbody, the Whole Thirty, mm-hmm. you know, the Paleo, whatever, they're all making money because you hate yourself. Like that's horrible. If everybody, if every woman was just like, "I'm good how I am," like think of how many people would lose money. Oh, what did I just hear? I'm listening to everyone. I'm posting this on my website. You need to go listen to this. It's called "The Power of Vulnerability" with Brene. Brown and it she talked about it was cosmetics and so if we so after 9-11 obviously the airline industry no one was flying I get it it crashed right yeah and so in the one week after 9-11 it almost sunk um the entire airline industry and it, it you know with all of the stocks and shit I don't even know I don't care I don't play into that shit but the economics in our in, in the U.S. um tanked and so for for people that don't know Brene Brown, she is a researcher. She's freaking amazing. Um, she's devoted her life to helping people through these moments of like shame and vulnerability. But she said with makeup, if so everything beauty care, right? So face creams, mm-hmm. hair products, um, lipstick, whatever you want it to be, self tanner, right? If we took a week off of it, 
<laughs> we would literally tank the economy. And so again, I, I encourage you to go fact check me, go listen to her. I think it's session three or four in Power of Vulnerability. But that's what she talks about, how like if we stop doing this thing. So think about what diet culture would be. Like yeah. what would it be if everybody stopped buying these products? Because that's it, right? Ask yourself, why are you why are you trying to diet? Why are you trying to restrict? Because I feel like nine times out of 10, for me, I'm like, I wanna see abs. I wanna see abs. And then they meet Amanda, and Amanda tells me scientifically, because she's fucking brilliant and went to school for it, Jen, I'm gonna tell you why that's actually fucking impossible. So tell everyone why, for most yeah. people, it's gonna be impossible. For a select few, like, you will be able to see, like, ab definition, like, if you work your abs. But for most people, like, you have to diet down to a very low, percentage body weight that is Mm -hmm. not sustainable to see your abs like you have to get way low for women like at least like 10% body fat which is just like not a healthy place to be Mm -hmm. um like most women have like 25% body fat or higher like something around there so to get down to 10 is like how you see like bodybuilders um and you have to be really extreme dieting right like bodybuilders before a competition like they're just drinking water, they're eating egg whites, they're eating white fish and like nothing else right. and like hardcore cardio. Like it's very intense weight cycling that they go through, um, which is hard on your body and that's part of the sport. Um, I had a friend that, old friend from the club scene, pass because of it. Yeah. And it was, they're just like, oh, he had a heart attack. And I'm like, you know, they tried right, to not play very, it off. Very I'm like, dangerous. He's like, he's in his early 30s. Like people in their early 30s don't just drop dead right and, and again he was, a, like, he was a competitive bodybuilder yeah it's, it's really hard on your body so if you're like struggling that you can't get abs like you do have abdominal muscles they make you stand up straight they they're there so they're things. working you know every day but you're not going to get that ab definition unless you just like diet to a place that's not sustainable for most people right so it's really not a problem right And it just needs to be okay. Yeah, and I feel like that's so much of, like, the fat phobia, like, in our culture, like, makes it so that it's difficult to exist at your, like, natural set point weight. Right. Absolutely. And I feel like, again, it goes, it, it's capitalism, right? So just ask yourself. I encourage you, like, maybe this is pissing you off. And I'm kind of excited about that because... I, when I first met Amanda, it's not that I was ever like mad at you, but <laughs> you asked me implicitly and explicitly, well, think about why you're doing that thing. So I love this girl, by the way. Just think about your intention, right? Yeah. What's your intention? And it's hard to have an honest conversation um, with yourself because I'm going to say, no, like I work out because like it's good for you. But why are you really working out? And for me, a lot of the time it was just like, uh, no, I want to be skinny or I want to stay at this weight. And yeah. it's it's just like I said in Dar's episode, it's it's now it's fear. It comes from a place of fear and I think we need to really start honoring and acknowledging the fact that that's what marketing does. They are marketing to something specific. Yeah. And look at the people they have running these companies, um the face of the companies, right? It, it's it's a lot about like this person looked this way, they weighed X amount of weight and now they look very 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 different and they're selling you a narrative um maybe it would be true for you. Dieting like hardly ever works. It really is not an effective tool. People lose weight um, maybe for a short period of time, maybe a couple years, and then they gain it back because weight cycling like that is not healthy. It changes your body and your body's gonna fight back if it's not at your set point weight. It's just not sustainable. Right. Um, And that's how diet industry makes money. You diet, you lose the weight, your body fights back, you gain the weight back, so you give them more money and it keeps going and you hate yourself the whole time. And then 
again, it's constantly reinforced through social media, yeah. through, um, oh, what was it like to go to the mall for you? Could you go to the mall when you were in your worst? Like, uh, she's just did a big smile. I think she's uncomfortable. Just, no. no, it's funny. <laughs> um, I did, I did shop, but there was a point at which I stopped enjoying shopping because I had to look at my body yeah. um, to try on clothes. But we would get to go on field trips to the mall when I was in. When you were in inpatient? Um, yeah, when yeah. I was in inpatient. We got to go on a field trip every week. Like, if you ate all your meals, you could go on the field trip. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, it's just what <laughs> life had to be to stay alive for right. many of us. Right. Um, incentivizing eating yep. with something other we're than We're teachers. Staying alive. You got to do yeah. what you got to do. Sometimes you need the carrot. And we're all poor are an inpatient not working so they take us to like forever 21 yeah. but we weren't allowed to try anything on <laughs> oh my God. um so we did so there's definitely like a lot of like retail therapy happening mm -hmm. but i mean you just hate yourself so much like even when i was so skinny i never felt good i never felt good about right. my body like now being at a heavier weight like i feel so much better about my body and it's not every day like i do have hard days still but mm -hmm. I, I'm comfortable because I'm healthy and I've made peace with you have the tools if you have a bad day yeah. to talk yourself out of that right you have a support system it's yeah I and I think about let's look at the other side of it because I know that I do speak of a place from a place of privilege on this like I am 5'1 I didn't even break what like 90 pounds 100 pounds when yeah. I was in high school because that's how I was built right um but for me the transition into woman body um, I was a hardcore drug addict. <laughs> yeah. um, at the time, I was taking a lot of Adderall. I, I couldn't gain weight. Like, I didn't have boobs and didn't have a butt, right? And so, and I was doing go-go dancing. I was modeling, right? So I was in this career that was like, uh, and just a side note, I was like told to leave certain jobs or wasn't hired for things when I would like break 100 pounds. So that played into a lot of shit that when I stopped doing drugs, not only am I trying to figure out why I hate myself so much, yeah, right? <laughs> Dig into the trauma of like whatever it is, right? Family, other issues, right? And then I'm gaining weight. Right. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm, in, and I'm, a, I'm, I'm just the size I'm supposed to be, right? And then you go to the mall. Think about the other side of that, right? That's privilege because I know what size I am. I know what I look like. And I think about the other side of that are these women that cannot go to a mall, right? Because their sizes aren't even represented. It's horrible. It's horrible. Like fat phobia is so horrible. Mm -hmm. And there's a large part of the world, and especially the United States, that's discriminated against. It's discrimination. Right. Their sizes aren't available. People give them mean looks. It's hard to fit in certain spaces. Like right. it's absolutely horrible. And I do have a lot of privilege too. If y'all check out my Instagram, like I am a small white girl. Like I would say mm -hmm. I'm thin. Like I don't feel that way, but right. like from an outside point of view, like I am. Right. Um, but there's a lot of people in America that are heavily discriminated against and have it like far worse than I do. And I think we've talked about this before with like big pharma and the medical industry, which if you know me at all, not a big fan, um, caused my drug addiction. It's all good though. High five to myself. Um, but the concept of what a modern medicine decides is big or like the BMI index, what we right. do to kids, we teach that at a young age. And then it's like, if you're big, then you have diabetes. If you're big, then you're eating like shit, right? And then all those messages unconsciously go into us and then we automatically assume, right, that big person that maybe needs 
two seats on an airplane, the shit that they just have to do to be in that role, right? right? To just feel okay. And then the people around them that are judging them of like, well, then you shouldn't be eating that thing, right? People have all different set point weights. And like some people's set point weights are higher and some are lower. And for some reason, we refuse to acknowledge that and just think everyone can manipulate their body into being a certain right. size. Like just like we all have different skin colors, we all have different heights, like mm -hmm. we have all different size bodies. It doesn't mean yeah. that someone's unhealthy. And I think a lot of like diet and industry has influenced the medical industry with money to say that um you know people think being obese or like being a certain size causes diabetes causes mm -hmm. type 2 diabetes which is not true we don't know what causes type 2 diabetes right. like there are behaviors associated with it but it's certainly not being a bigger size being a bigger right. size doesn't increase your risk for heart attack doesn't increase your risk for diabetes mm -hmm. And like the diet industry has branded those things together so we can like stigmatize these people and discriminate against right. them. And then it becomes a competition. Right. And then it becomes, for me, like too, it became a competition with myself. And right. that's where that real, they, they know how to do it. They know how to touch upon self-hate and all of those fears we have. Um, I think about Renaissance paintings. Yeah and what women looked like then. And they had like what we'd call like the little pouch, right? Little pouches. Yeah. And they would have, you know, bigger arms and bigger legs. And there was no muscle definition through like centuries of art for women, right? So what shifted? What happened, right? That was deemed so beautiful at one point. So I think there are a lot of people that are going to push back and be like, no, this isn't true. It's not, but just, just take a look and look at what is beautiful and not beautiful in other cultures. Right. It's, it's and we interesting. We branded like beauty and health together somehow. Like they've gotten yeah. merged. Um, That's a good point. And it's just it's all it's all in a scheme to make money. Uh, and it's not about the health of the person. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think that's that's the next point, right? It's about health and nobody has a right to look at someone big or small and be like that person's unhealthy you don't know that person you don't know anything about I that mean, person and <laughs> to be honest even if they are unhealthy who gives a shit it's not your not business it's <laughs> your business like health does not equate to like respect like just because mm -hmm. someone's healthy or unhealthy they don't earn respect that way mm. you respect them because they're a human being their health yeah. problems are none of your concern Right. So I don't even like stuff like that where it's like, oh, well, you know, bigger size is okay as long as you're healthy. No, like right. it doesn't. But it that's does another message. It's another yeah. message. It's another sneaky way to sneak fat phobia and mm -hmm. like just body negativity into the mix. Um, right. And it's got to go. Like just be kind to other people because they're human beings. Right. Like that's it. Bottom line. I kind of want to end the podcast there, but we have a little more to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I feel like a couple of the notes I wrote, I think the last point we we're going to talk about is emotional trauma, where people have emotional traumas and it can manifest in different ways through addiction and where they may not have an emotional trauma and you're causing it by calling someone fat or even right. making the joke about being anorexic, right? Yeah. It's, yeah. Um, I just encourage anyone listening, again, um, go to therapy. Go to therapy, like group therapy for me and individual therapy. I've been in therapy since fourth grade. It's very helpful. It helps you figure out what's right for you. And then once you learn about what's right for you, you realize that nothing else fucking matters. No one else's world matters unless someone comes to you and is like, oh my God, Amanda, like I'm having this problem. Can you help me with this thing, right? right. And still don't judge them, just be there to listen. Um, and then the last thing I wrote was, 
not everything is bad because I feel like a lot of people are going to hear this and be like, oh, so you, you can't eat a certain way or, oh, you can't work out. And it's like, no, you know, for Amanda and I, because we're addicts, it's about intention and the relationship we have with things. I say it's like the opposite. Instead of like, everything's bad. Like we're just trying to say like, life can be joyful. You don't have (laughs) to hate yourself in ordering the salad or going to the hit class at night. Like do what makes you feel good. Like that's what I've been trying to like channel lately is just like moving in a a way that makes me feel happy and if I'm not happy doing it then I shouldn't be doing it right there's no more like exercising for health or to get stronger faster unless I'm like training for a a thing I want to do that requires that right like when you were when you wanted to go surfing so we went to Bali which is awesome um you wanted to do surfing and then you're like man I need to be a better swimmer so then before you went on your next trip right. I'm gonna go do this thing and you're like I love swimming but then like you're done swimming now but you right. did a thing right, right. or like I went and did some like high altitude trekking and like I had to do a ton of cardio before that that was like borderline like a unhealthy level like I was doing like 10 hours of cardio every week but it was like in training for this thing yeah, that so I just, wanted to do she's talking <laughs> about like oh she's going up a mountain she was up like 17,000 feet and her yeah. husband got sick. Like, it was a dangerous trek. So if you didn't prepare, that would have been Right, it would have been irresponsible. But right. other than those sorts of situations, I think just, like, it's not like everything's bad and you can't do the things you enjoy. I think that we would encourage you to, like, do more of the things you enjoy. Yes. Eat more of the foods that make you happy. Even if that's McDonald's. Even if that's right. the most, like, quote-unquote, like, unhealthy food ever. Eat what you want. Right. Live your life. Experience those things. You're going to die someday. Right. Right. <laughs> like, go get the McFlurry skip the hit class or go to the hit class I don't know what's right for you right but just like incorporate more joy absolutely right that's about stop stop letting diet culture make yourself make you hate yourself into doing things you don't like right and I think that's one of the biggest messages today I feel like I've said that 25 times whatever y'all I have ticks when I talk you should hear me teach (laughs) um but if you have if you are now like okay you've just heard us say these things and now you notice oh my god I stress about every meal I eat. I really encourage you to start looking inside, working some shit out, and at the end of the day, just just get help. There are so many resources that Amanda and I can like give you and post mm-hmm. about places you can go, people you can call, because I think that's really what it comes down to, right? There's There's always something deeper. We're not just born hating. We're not just born innately thinking, I need to look this way. So if you can just acknowledge your relationship you know in that way of like well why am I working out if I need to work out to eat a cupcake like if I'm gonna just stress myself out so much um that's an unhealthy relationship right because you deserve joy not because of anything else it's unhealthy because you deserve joy you don't deserve to be sitting in that anxiety and then figure that anxiety shit out it's it's a road it's a hard road um but again I look at you now Amanda and I'm like where she was when I first met her through now you know versus now like I don't know like we're gonna go we haven't decided where we're gonna mm-hmm. eat yet but like we're excited about that thing like I didn't work out today I'm not panicking about that and I think about me a couple years ago even a year ago would be yeah. like okay so I had this swimming conference in the morning I have to go pick up Amanda maybe I can fit a workout in right yeah right and it's it's that intention so I blew out <laughs> my shoulder the other one um this past October And I was like really mad and it was my dominant arm and you know I was doing yoga I was doing a lot of things that were spiritually positive um, but the universe wanted me to realize like what was my intention why was I doing these things and it was a difficult road to sit in my house physically not being able to do the thing I loved 
but realizing, okay, you had a negative relationship with working out, right? Like go to yoga because you want to go to yoga. But the minute for me personally, I don't know anyone else's story, but when I was like, oh, well, this is the workout and then it becomes a calorie thing and then it becomes of what I'm eating, right? I start downward spiraling, right? And for me, I'm proud of you because you've just now gone back to the gym, right? And that's so exciting is for me, I'm doing workouts at home now on my own time. No one's helping me and I'm doing them when I need to do that thing, right? Like you found what was good for you. I found what's good for me and that might shift, right? Yeah. And and it's okay. It does like shift over time and it's like not, but I'm also like very selective about what kind of messaging I put in my body, like who Mm -hmm. I let train me at the gym, what kind of classes I go to and like what, what I do. Um, And I think that, like, if you are trying to fight those kind of, like, fat phobic messages, like, you do have to be really conscious about what you're allowing to come into your your energy field. Yeah, social media and the place you're working out. Like, I loved my studio. I still do. But I have to work on my shit, right? You loved the gym, but you had to walk away from that for literally years. Right. And, like, go and come back. And it still might be a time where I need to, like, go do something else. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's just about, like, doing, moving in your body in a way that feels good. Like, if you think about how children move, like, they just run and play because they like it. They dance around the house. And, like, like, yeah, it's just, it's not like that for adults. So I think that that's, like, where I'm at just trying to move when I feel, Mm -hmm. like, when it feels good. Yeah, because there are so many, there are so many positive benefits of exercise, right? Like when I don't, and again, exercising doesn't have to be deadlifting, like even just a 30 minute walk and then I'm in nature and I feel so good and it kind of tires me out a little bit because I don't sleep so well, right? Those things are so positive, but it's, it's that intention. And I think being able to sift through and burn down all the bullshit that's being thrown at you and then finally listening like, no, I am still hungry. I'm going to eat a second dinner or no, I worked out this morning. I'm going to work out again. I have a lot of energy or I'm not going to work out for a week because I don't fucking feel like it. Right, Right, exactly. And I think like, yeah, if anybody wants to reach out to me about like, ways that I've like freed myself from those things or made peace about food that you know we haven't covered I'm here yeah guys please reach out to her um I'll put everything on my website you know ever her Instagram and her stuff but yeah let's talk about some resources um because you've really turned me on to a lot of stuff of like so if you guys haven't read the book the fuck it diet yeah that's oh what's up yeah talk to people about this book <laughs> yeah shout out to the fuck it diet um i mean i kind of knew about like the damaging effects of like weight cycling and how mm-hmm. like diets cause starvation mode it causes you to be more fixated on food but this book just really laid everything out in such an honest funny way um yeah. and so much of what was in her book um i think it's carolyn Dune. carolyn dooner yeah. yeah i got it right um, here on the coffee table oh, yeah there we <laughs> (laughs) go so that book just like really brought so much to light for me and I think Mm -hmm. that she brings in a lot of like the emotional aspects of eating and diet culture too and like a lot of like perfectionism that influenced Mm. like her dieting and that was so relatable to me yeah um and it's just really an amazing book and really encourages like a healthy relationship with food and a healthy relationship with rest. Like we don't yes. value rest enough in our culture at all. Not in like capitalism. it's always no, like, it's money. Go, 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 make more, do more, lift more, get faster. Like when yep. I tell coaches at the gym, like I just got a new trainer. Uh, shout out to her. I like her. Yay, we but, got uh, a good one. <laughs> I was like, yeah, she asked me what my goals are and I was like, to have fun. 
<laughs> people are confused when I say that at the gym. I'm like, yep. I don't want to get stronger. I don't want to get faster. Yep. I don't care. I'm not here to lose weight. I, am I was not, like, yeah, no. we're not weighing. We're not doing the body fat scan. I was yep. like, I don't even care how many reps I do. Yep. <laughs> I'm like, yep. I'm just literally here to move and have fun. Yeah. Um, but like that aspect of like rest is not valued in our society. And I think yep. that in the book, The Fuck a Diet, she really touches on the importance of that and the yeah. importance of nourishing your body and letting it rest especially if you've put it through diet culture and like abusive exercise yeah and if you gotta rest and if you're not the touchy-feely because I like this book because I feel like it does all the things she talks about herself she talks about how many diets she's been on all this stuff and you know she has that like emotional connection to her readers but every fucking point she makes she will be like this study in 1943 with these people in Minnesota with this military group right like this study that happened in Europe at this time So if you're the person that's like, I maybe don't believe you or I need more information, you're getting everything in this book. Yeah, it was really good. So I'd really recommend starting with that. Um, I also follow Megan Crabb on Instagram, who is the Body Posse Panda. Oh, Body Posse Panda. Um, And she wrote a book, Body Positivity. Um, I think so. That was really good. And then also I read Body Respect recently, um, which is a little more scientific, I think, than The Fuck It Diet, but it was really good too. So if you're mm-hmm. like looking for more of the science aspect of things, uh, I would definitely check that out, Body Respect. Yep, I'll put all that on the website. We have a lot of Instagrammers. I think a lot of the Instagrammers that I got, they got them from you, obviously. Yeah. Um, they're on my inspiration page on my website. Um, but I, I always bring addiction back to, I have people reach out for addiction resources and I'm like, if you need help with an actual addiction, you need to go to a professional, someone that's licensed. But the other part of it is self-work. Um, addiction comes from pain, it's suffering. It, it is something in you. Like there are physiological issues, people can be born addicted. Um, this shit can run in families. But all I'm going to say, because I'm not a licensed professional, is that I encourage you to dig deeper in yourself. Um, some books that were really helpful for me. I think I made you read this one, The Places That Scare You. Yeah, that children. was a really good book, too. Yeah. All of her books are, like, spot on. Yeah, and it's it's just asking you to look at the inside stuff. Because a lot yeah. of times, I think a lot of people are like, okay, I'll go to rehab and, you know, I'm done. Or I'm going to therapy, but, but what work are you doing, right? And The Places That Scare You... I didn't know what I thought the book was going to be about. I thought it was going to be anxiety, but it was a really deep dive into like Buddhist tenets of how to be a person and fucking sit with yourself and how hard it is. And then to be a person that's trying to be a person around other people that are also trying to be other people. So that was a good one. And then I do, um, my daily meditation is Journey to the Heart by Melody Beattie. And that's just, it's, it's a... It's dated, so every single day I get up, I open the book, I look at it, and it will just be like focus on one thing. But for me, especially through like the darker days of just like, okay, we're not gonna focus on whatever this issue is, let's focus on, I mean, it could be gratitude. I have the book right here. I'm just gonna open it and see what today is. (laughs) Um, Today is love all of yourself, right? And then Melody will maybe tell you a little anecdote, something that happened to her. It's super short, it's like less than a page most times. And then so her mantra for the day is step into love for yourself and the universe will reflect that love back to you. And I think that's really people that come to me for advice, that's it. Because if you have hate on the inside, that reflects on the outside, right? If you have joy on the inside, you're going to go eat that donut. You're going to have a great time with your friends. I think you posted something about Mother's Day brunch that was like, dude, just like go enjoy it and stop counting calories today, right? Yeah. Um, And that's the other thing, like how often... 
is is food or exercise how often is it taking you out of the moment yeah totally and a lot of these books i think pema chodron's really does puts you back into the moment yeah a day i think does that too like just think a little deeper um this was fucking awesome yeah good talk throwing that out there (laughs) um okay so amanda you told us how you rewrote your narrative um, what's your, do you have a final thought, a quote, piece of advice, anything you want to leave our listeners with? Um, I think just like love yourself a little bit more. <laughs> just a little and bit? Just, yeah, just a, at least a little bit more and just really appreciate your body for what it does. Like mm-hmm. I know people struggle with chronic illness and things where their body isn't showing up, but it's doing the best it can. So treat it with a little love and respect and really, oh, I remember what I said when you asked me this earlier, Mm -hmm. to trust yourself. Yeah. That your body knows what you need and you just need to get back into the habit of listening at that coach, the new diet, whatever. Like, they don't know what's best for you. You really do know what's best for you. Yeah, I feel like it was the same thing with Dara. We kind of ended on that same note of trust yourself. And the thing I added when I wrote all this down was, if you can't trust yourself, get help. Right. And it's okay because... I couldn't trust myself for most years of my life. There's some days I don't, but that's when I call Amanda. Hey, can you just hear me right now? Can you can you tell me if this sounds good, bad? Am I in black and white thinking right? Um, maybe you have a friend that can hear you. If not, reach out to that therapist. We both do. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Can we high five? Yeah. Dude, let's go. Let's go get some ramen. Yeah, a hundred percent. Thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate it. Sharing your story with me and the world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I hope that it can help some peeps. All right, bye, friends. Hey, guys, what a freaking episode. I have so many takeaways that I want to share. But first, I just want to thank Amanda again for sharing her journey because it's not easy to be vulnerable and and share such personal deep feelings and experiences and she just nailed it like she just killed it with grace she stayed in her power and spoke with such authenticity so Amanda girl I can't thank you enough for sharing your truth with the world Um, and you know I've known Amanda for a long time we've talked about this stuff a lot and I think that's one thing about growing about getting older right we can continue to look at these experiences that we've had the good the bad the ugly the beautiful and, and we can continue to make sense of them. Um, I, I just listened to, I think it was Elizabeth Gilbert's last podcast episode on the podcast Magic Lessons. And she talks about showing up even before you're ready. And I feel like I've watched Amanda do that a lot in life of like, she knows she's going to beat this thing. She knows she's not going to let it, you know, take away her joy. And I think that's part of the struggle in growing and, and coming through, you know, traumatic experiences and negative experiences. Like we, we, try, we try to strive for perfection, but really it's just about showing up every day for ourselves. And when we do that, when we're consistent with that, I don't know, things just become so much easier to deal with. And then on top of that, sharing her voice with others, that builds community. That's the thing we need more of in this world. Okay, getting down off my soapbox. Um... My first takeaway is what's right for you might not be what's right for me and vice versa. And I think that's something we have to be very cognizant of listening while listening to this this last interview. 
You need to find the things that feel good to you. And the the things that you eat might not be the things that I want to eat or make me feel good, right? Like I have, if you know me, I have a ridiculous amount of allergies. I have a lot of intolerances. And all of those things have shifted for me over the last 34 years. For example, when I was 23, um, I was getting ready to graduate from Salem State. And my mom had a bowl of cherries on the counter. They were like white wild cherries, whatever they are. And I ate them and I just started having a full-blown oral reaction. And then within the next year, I couldn't eat apples. These are things I've eaten my entire life. And that started shifting for me. It was the same with gluten. Um, I went through a period, um, a couple years into teaching, I gained about 35, 40 pounds. I think some people listening are like, I don't believe you. Like if they know me, I didn't post pictures. I didn't really come out. I wasn't in a good way. Um, and, I, and, and then I just like, I gained so much weight. I started crash dieting. I was really unhappy. Um, and I was trying to do all these things. I was, I was getting migraines and I realized it wasn't about the diet. It wasn't about the way I looked. It was about stress. It had to do with this thing that was happening inside of me. And that's my next point. This shit is about lifestyle. It is about the thing that's sustainable for you. If you don't like eating vegetables, stop forcing them down your fucking throat every day. Maybe that's not what your body wants. Um, If you're craving something, maybe that's the thing you need, right? So if you're being calorie deficient with certain types of sugar or um, carbs, your body's craving that thing because it it needs it in some way, scientifically. Um, And I think we've been programmed in this diet culture to buck against that. I know I did for years. But, but at the same time, right, like I can't eat, like I'm not a big chocolate person, I'm not a big sweet person, and when I crave that, I want a couple bites, and that's okay. And a lot of times if I, I eat more than that, I end up getting sick. So for a long time, I was like, oh, my body doesn't like sugar. No, it doesn't want a lot of sugar, and it only wants it at certain times. Um, I think we talked about that a little bit. It's about honoring your body and what it needs, um, what it needs to, to run healthy, you know, you're healthy, right? And I feel like that's my third takeaway. Um, Healthy looks different on everyone. We need to honor that for ourselves and for other people, right? Exercise is going to be different for everyone. And I think that's really Amanda's big message here. Um, Ask yourself why you're exercising. Ask yourself why you're eating or not eating, and I think it really comes back down to episode one with Darielle. We all know. We all know that answer. We all know what we need. Again, listen to that podcast. It's um, from September 23rd, 2016, uh, Magic Lessons, Elizabeth Gilbert, and it talks about that. We all know. But it's so hard to stand up and be vulnerable and be like, Okay, I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to that, that girl, that guy, that unicorn, whatever it is inside your body and honor it. It's so difficult in 2019 when we're getting bombarded with Instagram ads, when everything we see in the mall, right? Everything we see on TV or in the movies, everything is airbrushed and photoshopped and made to look a certain way. And so I think if you can take nothing away from this, it's taking a little time for yourself, turning inside and not being afraid to ask why. Not being afraid to let your body look the way it wants to look. And then the last piece of that is loving and honoring that. All right, my friends, I think I'm going to stop this rant today because I feel like I could talk forever. But 
you know, check out the website, www.someoneneedstohearit.com. There's some new blogs up there. I'm going to be posting a couple more things in the next few weeks. Um, if you could follow me on Someone Needs to Hear It on Instagram, that would be super cool. Also, if you could subscribe and rate my podcast on whichever platform you choose, I would really appreciate that. I'd love to get more listeners and spread everybody's messages throughout the world. Um, and last but not least, all Amanda's info will be on the website. So check her stuff out on Instagram, especially if you're someone that is struggling or starting to question diet culture, follow her. She is so inspirational. She posit- um, She posts a bunch of really positive shit just about eating healthy and more importantly, loving yourself. Because my friends, that's where all of this starts. It's not externally. It's not about the food. It's not about the exercise. It's not about the makeup, the clothing, the job. It's about you. And it's about the relationship with you. My friends, with that being said, I am done for this episode. Thank y'all so much for sticking with me, listening to it, and we'll see you in episode three.